Welcome to Reading to Rootedness with Emily and Father Adam, the oh, yeah. very special book club where we scour hmm. important texts in our Catholic heritage and to root ourselves in the most important questions in life, like what is a human being? What is a person? All of which <laughs> we'll talk about today. <laughs> That was great. That was good. That was good. That was good. Wow, yeah. Yeah. It's not bad, right? That's not good. bad. Not bad yeah. for a first time. No, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today we begin Person and Act from Carol Wojtyla. And we're talking about the introduction today of the book, mm-hmm. which had plenty, I think, to talk about. It's worth an episode <laughs> to talk about the introduction because... There was that, a lot already. There's a lot. And I don't know if you've read this or plan to read it, but it is very clearly philosophy and not like pop philosophy. <laughs> it's actual philosophy. That's a category of philosophy. Oh, yeah. Philosophy. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like the easy to read kind of like, you know, you can just kind of read through it. Like, okay. Not pseudo philosophy, but but easily consumable philosophy. Okay. That kind okay. of thing, which is like, okay, you kind of like pop philosophy. Mm. Okay. Like this is not pop philosophy. Like this is philosophy mm. intense when you philosophy. yeah you it takes you a minute to read one sentence and you're like i don't even know if i understood that sentence right, right. isn't it in a witness to hope where <laughs> the polish clergy yes. thought that when they you know their first step in purgatory would be to read person and act so yes we're going through purgatory right for for this project so or his friend <laughs> the friend priest who he gave the manuscript to when they went and talked about it, it's like, so could you translate this into Polish before we before we talk about it? Which was in Polish. <laughs> okay, but let's, okay, before we jump into what we learned in the introduction, very briefly, history of this book. Hmm. Um, when was it written? What point in JP2's life? Right, so we kind of mentioned this in our intro to the intro uh, of Reading to Read in this podcast. But he wrote this largely during the Second Vatican Council as a way to grapple with the mystery of the human person that was underlying a lot of the moves and the developments, maybe you can say, of Vatican II. So another thing that is really something that John Paul II did throughout his life, even in his academic work, uh, he was a philosopher by education, really. His doctorates were in philosophy taught philosophy yeah so he's deep into philosophy and so there's older schools of philosophy maybe it's even say pre-modern modern being not just like contemporary but modern as, as a category of philosophy there's modern philosophy and then there's kind of maybe everything before that so everything before that is more focused on things outside the person objective things so if you really simplify kind of the movements of philosophy it begins with objective kind of things and, and like certainly metaphysical and and transcendent spiritual things as well are kind of their forms and whatnot but kind of these objective things the modern move started with descartes largely is to move into the person to see things subjectively and so that created a lot of problems for catholic theology and philosophy because it's just a wildly different way of seeing things and so um, you've got like pope Pius the ninth 
producing a syllabus of errors, which is kind of going <laughs> after the to to push back on the move of modern philosophy that was kind of challenging Christianity in a number of ways. So I uh, kind of fast forward you know, sixty years or whatever, and John Paul II is really doing this philosophical work, and and Vatican, Second Vatican Council is doing it as well. How do we bring these worlds together? How do we get them into dialogue? How do we pull what is good from both? So yes, there's an objective thing, but like the subjective experience of the human person and the subjective like understanding of ourselves, like that's a real thing and that can't be ignored and that needs to be engaged with. And so the church is, is putting these things together and person and act this work by Carol Voitiva is really trying to do that Mm -hmm. to, to pull the good out of the modern move, but not lose the older, I mean, like the objective reality of things. Right. So JP two would have attended Vatican two as a bishop and an, and an archbishop, but the things he was most interested in with Vatican two and that he contributes to in the like final 16 documents is kind of all about the human person and how the Catholic perspective can present an understanding of the human person that really needs to be kind of broadcasted throughout the world when when all of these political systems and all of these um, kind of societal moves have, in, in his opinion, really degraded an understanding of the human person, and that's... Pulverized. Yeah, yes. <laughs> very dangerous. So what he's really interested in, and I think he, even when the uh, Vatican kind of sends out this call to you know, what should we talk about in the Second Vatican Council? The council, that's what he, that's what he writes about is we, we need, we need to show how beautiful our understanding of the human person is. So yes, so it, he's writing it during Vatican II. I think he's maybe carrying some of the documents that he worked on almost further or like providing maybe a philosophical understanding of yeah. some of the things that came out of Vatican II. Um, Probably, most notably, Gaudium et Spes. Yep. Yeah. And else? <laughs> the, uh, even just that move, so maybe kind of like the why philosophy of it, you know, he will write as a pope later, the encyclical Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason, as these two wings to fly up to contemplation of God, the truth. And yeah, like you can't fly with one wing. Bird needs two wings. And so maybe he's emphasizing there, again, just kind of summary, that you need philosophy, especially if you're going to speak to the modern world, which is maybe thinks Christianity is is puffy feelings, nice things, um, uh, or it's just kind of this irrational, blind faith in the Bible stuff. And so, to speak to that world, Christians can use philosophy and can kind of speak in worldly terms and even use modern philosophy categories to uh, to engage with the truth, um, but also just our understanding of the gospel and Christ himself and the human person and all of the, the, the good news of the gospel uh, to fully understand it. Yes, faith, and also using the gift of reason that God has given us to to understand. Mm-hmm. And so we need both. And so that's why it's just maybe people are a bit shocked that a pope is writing like philosophy that's not quoting the Bible. Like, <laughs> not yet at least, that uh-huh. we've read. Like no, this is this is a, a work of reason right. to support our faith and responding to a very modern strain of philosophy. Yep. Um, 
that he's clearly read and wants to engage with. So Right. But one of the challenges, <laughs> perhaps, is this book has a difficult publishing history. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so originally, um, when he first read it or wrote it, it was, of course, published in Polish. Um, and later on, kind of almost right prior to when he was elected pope, he had the opportunity to get it translated into English with the help of a certain professor, which I don't know if I will uh, be able to pronounce her name. <laughs> me either, but Anna Teresa Timienka. That's Maybe? totally, totally wrong. Maybe. But okay. it's something like that. Um, who had read his work, really um, admired his work, and wanted to not only translate it into English, but kind of enter into a partnership and really kind of expand the text. And a lot of people agree that kind of the text that was produced at that time was much better <laughs> than the original sort of Polish, um, maybe more roundabout, confusing, maybe, text. However, <laughs> at some point in the process, maybe they, she kind of took more ownership of things or... Liberty. <laughs> right. Um so there's always kind of been this divide between the Polish translation, the English translation, and one of the frustrating things is we don't really know what translation we are reading exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's kind of awkward. We it's translated into English by Mr. Pataki, and then that was sent to Dr. T, the lady who'd worked with. <laughs> Uh, John Paul II. And then that's where people say she kind of took liberties and maybe added things and kind of formed it in her own thought some, so not quite getting the exact thought of the Pope. So, yeah, we are... Uh, the text we have says it's the one translated by Mr. Pataki. But we're just uh, not sure. Right. <laughs> There's hints that it is not doctored by Dr. T because I think there's... Her version had like two chapter sevens and ours does not. So, but we're going for it because it's what we got. Right. And, and we're assuming that the, no matter what translation is, it is this first go will be enough of a challenge and enough content for us to wrestle with. Yes. Yes. So, um, but just is, to yeah. have that out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't know what translation we're reading. It's English. It is English. And it's person and act of some Is it kind. English? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's so true. <laughs> so for today, we read the introduction, and we want to kind of give a summary and um, introduce some of the ideas. This is clearly an overture of what he's going to try and lay out in argument form throughout the rest of the book. Um, it does kind of outline where he's going for the rest of the book. Uh, it says at one point in the introduction that the book is to show how action reveals the person, and we look at the person through his action. So we can kind of see maybe that you know, there's two things of the person is this immaterial thing that's really only experienced or is I guess maybe that's not accurate experienced from 
inside. So that's subjective, like I have an experience of myself and that is this kind of inner experience of myself. But then I'm also acting in the world, which is an outer experience. So, and I'm interacting with things and I'm interacting with people and um, even good and evil, which are kind of things outside of me in some way. And so, yeah, so, so he spends part of the introduction just saying that both of these things are necessary. So again, you have this outside world and this inside world, this recognition that I am this thing and I have an experience of myself and that is important to reflect on. And then it's important to then reflect on my experiences of things and, and reflect on my own actions in the outer world. So there's this play and importance of both the objective external things mm-hmm. and the internal things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a beginning. How cool it is that, and kind of scary, that means that if every experience and even me thinking about myself is always through this lens of meanness, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> however you want to categorize that, it's really, it's almost, would you, would you say it's impossible for us to really ever fully get at the mystery of somebody else because they can never, you know, you can try and communicate how you experience the world, but something about their individuality or their experience will never really fully be able to comprehend yeah yeah it can't be fully communicated did you ever like okay growing up did you ever think about the fact that maybe (laughs) this is so silly (laughs) maybe the way we see colors is not the way everybody else sees colors you know like my red could actually be your blue but you know as long as like, that's just what you've always known to call it. Right. That's what it is in your head. But maybe if, like, you were looking through somebody else's eyes, all the colors would be different. Maybe. <laughs> but they, like, okay. But, like, colors communicate like, emotion and like, feeling. And I feel like that's shared. I don't, okay, I don't know. Okay. But yes. But yes. Anyways, yes. Right. But it gets at the mystery of. We could never know. Your experience of something that. Right. Is always mysterious. Another person completely. Which is yeah. kind of a beautiful thing. If you think about it, that, you know, each and every single individual has this completely different and, and individual existence. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Right. But then also kind of the beauty of people, you know, getting to know each other and, and trying to communicate their experiences to one another even if it never is complete it still is kind of the adventure of <laughs> yeah i will never be able to fully explain or even understand <laughs> somebody but it's an invitation to like continually interact with them continually go to the mystery mm-hmm. to discover more because it is kind of this infinite well of of subjectivity but like i have even just an endless encounter like every time i go to you right if we ever do anything together it'll be new and revelatory mm-hmm. um, and that's again maybe another point of what he's saying here is our actions to then reveal our personhood mm-hmm. reveal who we are 
and then we kind of start to step into the objective side because I can I can take your words and like learn something or I can look at your actions and, and say something about them and they reveal who you are because you have chosen to do these things. You have chosen to put these words together. You have communicated this emotion or thought or chosen good things or mm-hmm. bad things or selfless things or... Right. So, so what would you say is his thesis that he's going to try and defend (laughs) through the rest of this book? Because I I do think this comes out pretty clearly in the introduction. Yeah. That. Which we've kind of already been saying, but. Right. And I think there's like the one more point that maybe I think he'll, he'll get into a lot. Well, one it's yeah. Actions reveal who we are Mm -hmm. because our kind of like invisible hidden inner life is brought out. Right. It expressed in the world. Um, and we are interacted to, we, we, we can see things. But also then that further thing of our actions generate who we are. Mm-hmm. We are always even through our choices, through our actions, through our thoughts, I think even, are kind of generating ourselves because mm-hmm. choices create us in a way. Is that, yeah. is that a good way to put it? Yeah, we're always becoming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, so we're not static. We're not just a thing that mm-hmm. acts, or like, you know, an object that, that acts a certain way, but we are like constantly forming ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that certainly fits in with a older philosophical understanding of virtue, that virtues build mm-hmm. by, by repeated action mm-hmm. or degrade, and vices build by repeated action. Right. It's kind of becoming or, or lessening, degrading. But So we, we come to know personhood, both somebody else's and ourselves, through actions and i i would think that jp2 would say kind of the great drama of life Mm -hmm. which this book focuses in on is that process of who i currently am becoming who i want to be Mm -hmm. or or maybe kind of the fulfillment of human nature or human beingness um (laughs) and and in between that are all of these actions and the way you come to know yourself, that they're not just moves, they're intellectual, embodied choices. And that forms us. Yeah. We had kind of spoken before, just in laying out what we're going to talk about today. But this idea that every time, really, I mean, even just for yourself, everything you do, matters Mm -hmm. you are becoming at every time so like all of our choices in a way even all of our thoughts Mm -hmm. matter because we are constantly in this state of becoming Mm -hmm. and then i was like but it's this really cool thing is when you do or you're interacting with anybody we are both becoming more in everything we do I'm becoming myself. Yeah, or I guess you, you <laughs> could be worse. Yeah. Right. Um, you, like, play soccer with somebody, and, like, everybody there is kind of... You're, you're not just doing this kind of bland action. Your personhood is present. Mm-hmm. And by the choices you make, mm-hmm. by sportsmanship or your encouragement of your teammates, or just even, like, feeling the support of your teammates, or the mm-hmm. feeling of success, or, mm-hmm. like... Just working extra hard of the world yeah, yeah like working hard for your friends uh-huh. or like anger at your coach whatever it's <laughs> like those are 
like really important things and it seems like maybe bland but i think john paul ii is trying to call us say like no every human action is really profound mm. and you're like generating yourself and and like we're doing it together and so yeah then there's that call even to to which i think you'll get to later in this book do i respect that about you and this and there's other people that if I am making you angry in acting certain ways, or if I'm leading you to sin, or if I am inspiring you to charity or calling you to greatness, that all matters. Hmm. And uh, all even in the small things, like not yeah. just the profoundly big things. But I like that personhood is present, like even in those smallest moments. Yeah. Who you are and who you want to be. That's always present. That should, should always, you know, be present in your mind and your consciousness. Yeah. This makes me think that it's probably, you know, wasn't known at the time, but a lot of work on and studying the brain recently has revealed that we're always learning. So there is no moment that your brain is just kind of in a neutral position. Whatever you're doing, your brain is learning or perhaps you could say, building habits towards. <laughs> it's always kind of adding those connections to make whatever you're doing easier because if you're doing it, it must be worthwhile. Uh, so there is no <laughs> neutral position in your brain, which is which is kind, it, it is both scary and, and optimistic, I suppose, because obviously it's way too easy to kind of think that you're just tuned out from something and it's not harming you. It's not forming you. Um, but every single moment your brain is awake and, and is doing something with what is happening. So yeah. And your, your, your person is present to the, right. Those things and and forming, right. So, you know, that you can kind of extrapolate into the future a bit Mm -hmm. of even like morality why is it bad that I do this thing that isn't harming anybody else? It's because, because you're like degrading yourself, maybe, <laughs> or like you're not becoming who God has created to be. You're not right. embracing the call of really every action to to become mm. more. Yeah. But then also the other error of how do we treat other people? Do I ignore your subjectivity and your becoming? Mm-hmm. And I just want to use you for some product or, or some, some thing or, or just not care at all about you. Cause like I'm indifferent mm-hmm. to you. Do you though. recognize that other person's personhood, right. which is present as well? Right. Oh, yeah. So yes, his, I think his general thesis is acts form people. Yes. Person and act. Um, <laughs> wow, the title. <laughs> but he is <laughs> very concerned about ethics, just yep. in kind of everything that he was teaching. And I don't know, that kind of seemed his focus in philosophy. So he is clearly bringing morality into this understanding of person and actions. Right. So how is he doing that? And don't you just love that I'm just asking you questions? Yeah. But asking the questions is harder, right? It's the harder process. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I'm doing all the hard work. I'll take the easy part, okay. yeah. Uh, to quote here, <laughs> maybe to answer your question. Man as a person, owing to his actions that may be good or may be evil, himself either becomes 
becomes either good or evil. The person stands at the origin of moral values just as much as in their final outcome. So I think, and maybe see it here, that he can hold, as maybe some of the modern philosophers don't, that <laughs> good and evil can be objective things that stand outside of a person that Jesus can say, and maybe it's built into the human person, that lying is bad. And that can stand outside of you. And so to choose to lie is to become a liar and even kind of a person less attuned to the truth, but just like less than yourself as we are made for the truth. Our minds are made to know the truth and live in the truth. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you can kind of see that there, that there is good and evil still. It's not mm-hmm. wildly subjective mm-hmm. or relative. Um, and then we, by choosing those things, in a way, we kind of bring them in and they form us. So we are mm-hmm. forming ourselves by being good mm-hmm. or being evil. Right. Yeah, so this is this is truly kind of the intersection between objective truth and subjective experience that he's really interested in. Mm-hmm. That um, we act according to kind of our personal experiences but those acts either align or don't align with objective truth in the world, with a with an understanding of the world. And in that process, not just those actions themselves can be categorized as either, you know, evil or good, um, but we can, our very personhood can be aligned with either evil or good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is, we fully expect <laughs> what he intends to yes. kind of argue throughout this entire book. Yes, and so, and of course, like, people are not just good or evil. Mm-hmm. There's a real grayness and kind of dynamism that, like, I can I can choose evil in one way right now and then choose good in a different way right now, mm-hmm. and it's all kind of interplaying and... It's just the wild dynamism of the person mm-hmm. that we make with every word I'm saying. In a way, I'm making a choice, right? We, Where I look, making a choice, all of this even, these kind of million choices in the hour. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to maybe reduce that to a, to a simple understanding. Right. Because we're kind of like always choosing things constantly mm-hmm. good evil indifferent at every moment i don't know what i'm trying to make to that point but it's it <laughs> it's is a bit complex. of a complex information. yeah <laughs> like the person is not easily reducible to some algorithm mm-hmm. which is also kind of just a nod to the mystery again mm-hmm. yeah the wild mystery of the person yeah i can't remember what we were talking about specifically but we were kind of saying how every sort of choice that we make or or action that we have is kind of tied up with our dreams our our goals our personality our understanding of ourselves and and to not address those things <laughs> doesn't kind of hold the human being at at a proper level of respect almost so yeah so so even to kind of try and get at a simple sort of argument about personhood being formed through acts. There is so much complexity here. 
an idea he brings up connects with that idea of kind of pulling the meaning out because we do have millions of kind of inputs in a way, mm-hmm. millions of experiences and actions. He talks about the idea of induction. And so he says, induction consists in grasping mentally the unity of meaning from among the multiplicity and complexity of phenomena. So that having a dream, who do I want to be? Who is Christ calling me to be? What is the gospel call? And then even just like, yeah, what's important to me? What values am I striving for? That induction is, yeah, like how do we pull the meaning out of our life, pull the meaning out of our actions? Like it does take bracketing. So it's, there's a bit, I, I, don't, I think he, 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 he does reject the idea of calling it a reduction mm-hmm. uh, to, sim- like, to simplify things. But, you know, it's like watch a movie. There's two and a half hours of stuff, lots of scenes, lots of dialogue. But you can abstract a meaning and character arcs and kind of those, those more meta kind of things. Which then moves you or, or conveys, you know, something powerful that's kind of abstracted from all of the inputs. So I think he says, like, this is important to do with our lives mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to go there or how he's going to go about this. But it, I mean, this is reminding me of Jordan Peterson's idea of kind of a, a meta narrative that there are stories that we have told over and over and over again because they are true in that people can align their life experiences with them and find understanding. Um, I can see myself in this story and that not only makes me feel a little bit comfortable in the sense that other people have lived this and have gotten through it or something, but also now I have a roadmap for where I should be going and how I need to live my life. So maybe that induction process would be, you know, taking all of these personal experiences, all of the data, and kind of aligning it to presumably (laughs) what Christ has revealed to us about the human being and our destiny and how we get there. Um, so that that would be my guess, but yeah. I'm I'm totally guessing because this yeah. is just the introduction, <laughs> and we have not gotten to that point. He has just kind of briefly right. laid out where he where he is headed. So, yeah. but that <laughs> yeah, kind of bringing this multiplicity of mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. to like a unity, to like mm-hmm. find meaning in it, which we have to do for ourselves in some way, or else it's just like disconnected actions, and we get. What do we do with that? Right. Yeah. Or even just the way memory works. Like, there's no way that you can keep everything. And so, in a way, your brain has to kind of synthesize, even if it's not a detail-by-detail understanding of what happened to you, you have pulled out Yeah. kind of the unity of all of those little moments. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you remember. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay, you've quoted from the book at least twice, and I yeah. have not provided direct provided a direct quotation, at, and I feel left out. Right, so, right. Um, say something while I find a quote. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, have we kind of touched all the big topics, maybe of the introduction? I mean, he says a lot, but right. Um, okay, but we, we can talk about the outline. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. what he intends to do for this book, 
Right. So yeah, what are the what are the actual chapters of the book going to be like? Emma, there's my question. Yes, Emma, <laughs> what can we expect as we read the rest of Person? Oh, this and is Ed? the hard part. <laughs> I, okay. So well, I thought you had the easy job. <laughs> Answering is the easy job. I, that was the hardest thing. To no, do no, no. Was no. This is the this is the hard question in, in oh our lineup of you know what we wanted to talk about. Okay, so there are seven chapters total. Chapters one and two. He's going to talk about consciousness, our being conscious of human experiences, human actions, and how they form the person. So I think this is going to be, you know, the main bulk of him trying to argue that actions form persons. Yeah. I would assume. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Reveal the person and and constitute the person. Yeah. Right. So chapters three and four, he's moving into transcendence and i guess once again not really sure (laughs) exactly what he's going to say but i would kind of assume transcendence in the way that our specific actions can align with kind of the i don't know truth of or the trueness of what they could be. No, I don't know. I don't know. What would you say? Transcendence. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> uh, we haven't read it. We are uh, speculating here. Yeah. I think it has maybe something to do with that kind of induction, that drawing meaning out mm. of like, how do we find the person amidst all the data, even like for ourselves and maybe mm. kind of for another? Again, we'll never fully understand another person, but but I can come to understand you you know, having spent time with a person and mm-hmm. done things together and had conversations that, like, I can come to understand you and, like, even myself, maybe, importantly. So so maybe... But, so finding the person beyond the action. So I think something like... You can, you can look at an action as a sterile kind of thing and just, like, theft. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. But then maybe the transcendent idea is to, like, step above it and say, okay, well, here's this person who has stolen and given to charity, and goes to church, and works really hard, and gets three hours of sleep. I don't know. Like, and, and then, and then you... That would be you, accurate. Yeah, and then you, I don't know, the, you discover the person. You kind of go beyond the actions to the person. I don't know. There's or, my or guess. Or maybe, maybe, um, like love, we may not experience it in a perfect form. But it's kind of weird that we do know that there is a better way to love. And it's kind of like this transcendental value, maybe. So in these actions, acting a certain way, recognizing that that's forming our personhood, we can come closer to that fullness of human beingness, even if we could never completely get there we can still come closer to it. I don't know. Yeah. Transcending, going beyond. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so tune in later yeah. to see <laughs> to who see. got it right. Probably <laughs> neither of us. <laughs> Transcendence, <laughs> chapter three and four. That's what it, yeah, that's where it goes. That's all about what we know. <laughs> We're the best students. It's hilarious I think because... chapter 10 is going to say this. <laughs> okay. I mean, clearly he's saying where he's going, but I guess we just don't quite understand well enough Man. these sentences to yes. tell you exactly where he's going. But, but we're trying. I think five and six... Yes, okay. It makes a little more sense. 
or seems to. Okay. That he's going to go, so we have kind of the self-determination and fulfillment of the person through action and revelation and mm-hmm. so on. Um, five and six, it seems he goes toward embodiment mm-hmm. and talking about what does it mean to be this immaterial soul, you know, um, a will and an intelligence that's in a body that's that's this subjective thing mm-hmm. in an objective thing, this immaterial thing in composite with like this this uh, material thing because we are not just ghosts in the shell. We are embodied souls, ensouled bodies. We are uh, the human person is soul and body. Ears are not not meant to be separated. That's why death's a bad thing, right? Um, <laughs> not. <laughs> Not supposed to be that way. Uh, not supposed to be separated. So, by the way, every podcast—if we don't get to death, um, we have done something wrong. Mm. And, and I got there before you. I know. Surprising. Congrats! But there you go. Snucky we man. got there. Yeah. To death. So I think he's gonna yeah deal with embodiedness. And I think well, he, there's something too about the psyche. So I don't know if it's gonna be like. We have brains and we have like psych problem that like deal, like mess with mm-hmm. us as persons. Mm-hmm. So kind of, how does that all work out? Right. Is what he's going to get to. So it's almost like knowing that actions form our person, knowing that we are kind of an intellect, a consciousness behind all of our choices. How do you live well? Yeah. <laughs> how do you, yeah. I it's don't an know. embodied spirit. Thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then chapter seven. Finally, chapter seven is, okay, you are not an individual, isolated person on this planet. You live in relationship. And as we've been talking about, actually, perhaps it is through other people that you can also not only understand personhood in general better, but perhaps your own person better. Um, understand and become right yeah yeah become yeah so i think he's going to dive a little bit maybe into solidarity or or some kind of social doctrine in that chapter so i'm excited yeah um yeah so participation you are you are an individual a person in community with other persons and that's how it's meant to be so what does that mean? <laughs> right. And I don't know if he'll go there because it's kind of philosophy, but the, uh, you know, the Trinity we understand is like God is one, but also three and the three exists or like there can be three, not in substance, but in relation mm-hmm. that like the relation creates the person in a mm-hmm. way again, cause there's an action. There's love. Love is the Trinity. God is love. Mm-hmm. Um, but but like the persons are manifest through action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we certainly see like uh, the, the missions of the persons of the Trinity are kind of these actions of the persons of the Trinity, but there's still a community of love. And that's why there can be three. There's three. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into Trinity. Yeah, okay. But... <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a risk. uh, Yeah, (laughs) but but this like the whole time we were studying Vatican II, we kept picking out kind of this theme of dignity and how the dignity that everyone is born with doesn't seem to be 
where dignity stops necessarily. Right. Um, so I, I think this is kind of the same thing that we have the freedom to act and to form our personhood according to our acts. But on top of that, and perhaps in like the perfect fulfillment of that involves responsibility because you could be helping yourself become and others become through every single little interaction. And so the, I don't know, maybe the beauty of <laughs> personhood is that we, we do it together and that it is kind of a drama and that you are, you are a player on the stage and it is dramatic because you are making choices and, and hopefully becoming the fully flourishing human being, the fully alive human being yeah. um, in relationship with other people, which is really cool. Yeah. And blows your mind. Challenging. And challenging and terrifying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause like For sure. people are weird and annoying and, <laughs> you know, uh, and great. Right. right. Yeah. Some people, um, <laughs> Are you going to so bring that, in a Brothers K reference? The, <laughs> I, I almost did earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. We, uh, we just finished reading the Brothers... Karamaza? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. We always say the Brothers K because because then we don't have to pronounce it. Or at least I do. <laughs> but anyway. The book says... Anyway. <laughs> I think... Yes. So one of the major themes, I think, from that book is that it's really easy to love humanity in mm. general and the idea of humanity yes. and really hard to love individuals. Um, yes. I would die for humanity. <laughs> you know, it's easy to have but those aspirations. I can't stand my roommate, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing and that we can be, we can be helping other people become who they are meant to be without even knowing it. And it is also a terrifying thing. <laughs> when people are hard to get along with, how are we supposed to help and, them become? <laughs> and I have to like, and I ought not to be wildly self-centered mm -hmm. and like just care about my own thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's that, that call of community. That call out of yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So. To kind of wrap this up. Maybe I will read something from this book that will spur a quote from you. But I liked at the end of the introduction, he broadly said why this study is important. And generally, you know, he was kind of talking about how recently in modern, in, yeah, recently, there has been a lot of study about all of nature and, and all kinds of, I don't know, all sorts of things studying except the human person. <laughs> um, so I am going to quote from the book because I need at least one quote from the book. No, I think we're uh, done. No. <laughs> so perhaps the problem consists of the fact that man is still awaiting a new and profound analysis of himself, or rather what is much more important, an ever new synthesis. And this is not easy to attain. Having conquered so many secrets of nature, the conqueror himself must have his own mystery ceaselessly, ceaselessly unraveled anew. So we are mysterious beings. 
And that is kind of exciting because that means there will always be something more to learn about even yourself. Um, but it is worth spending time on. So this made me think of The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. Um, and we don't have a great quote if you're looking for it, <laughs> but talking about you know, if we lose that transcendent part of the person, we lose the soul in a way, if we see ourselves as raw material, as just material beings, maybe moved by instinct or chemicals in our heads or, or whatever it is, kind of lose this dynamism of the person and this constant kind of becoming and discovering and in a real way living constantly in interaction with other people and like that that really matters so c.s lewis talks about how to see ourselves just as raw material well i'll read it there we go uh this the real objection is that if man chooses to treat himself as raw material raw material he will be not raw material to be manipulated as he fondly imagined by himself but by mere appetite that is mere nature in the person of his dehumanized conditioners. So that maybe gets to that idea he's kind of talking about is we have to understand the values of what it makes, means to be human and even kind of what it means to be human because if we don't, if we, if we leave that out, if we see everything as material or like raw material or we're just you know, run by our chemicals in our brain or just by instincts or something, if we kind of lose free will in that way and a sense of our self-determination, we just, yeah, we'll kind of get dominated by our own philosophies mm. and by our natural appetites that are not now striving for something greater than ourselves. Mm. Um, and and he's clearly watching that happen around him, that entire societies are building political systems around a false understanding of the human person. And while not quite in the same way, I think we're still struggling today, kind of balance that objective, subjective yep. reality <laughs> that we live in. And so this is still an important study. And right. clearly we thought important enough to kind of root ourselves in, in a proper understanding of the human person before going anywhere else. Well, and still desiring, as we said last time, to be the generation that helps to bring about the work of the Holy Spirit of Vatican II mm -hmm. and this being kind of a philosophical foundation of a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. So here, rooting ourselves in. <laughs> yeah, so stay tuned when we go beyond the introduction and dive into the text itself and may feel even more in purgatory than we <laughs> already are. <laughs> and yeah. Just take on this difficult text.